0: well hello and welcome to the christian formation podcast my name is gabriel and today i'm joined by my friend andrew Rutten and my other friend kent mccrimmon uh and an interesting tidbit so kent and andrew are actually uh enrolled at the same school like they're going to school what school are you guys going to again
1: which one of us do you want to answer
0: both of you. Well, you go to the same.
2: <laughs> we go to Storm uh, Theological Seminary.
1: Seminary. I try to sync it at the same time.
2: Yeah. Well, you're close. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And so, Kent, what are you? What are you doing down there? Like, what's your program actually called?
1: Uh, yeah. So it's the distance program or hybrid program for uh, Masters of Divinity.
0: Nice. And what is that?
1: Uh, so essentially, it's like a like a double master so it's a lot of a lot of coursework but the idea behind it is that it's um, very structured for people in ministry or people who want to be in pastoral ministry so heavy emphasis on uh, just bible content uh, biblical languages and then also uh, mixing in some just some practical theology uh, classes in there as well nice well that sounds
0: uh sounds fun um anyway well kent thank you for writing this article um it's so fun to uh to yeah just to read it and to see like yeah uh sort of the the layers you've peeled back um for this and i love the story that you started with so for those of you that don't know real quick to recap we've been going through the solas and this week we're on uh solas christas or christ alone um And yeah, Kent was our author this week. And Kent, I love that you started off sort of uh, with this misconception of Christ being like the last name of Jesus. And you quoted some sitcom. You don't have to mention which one, but (laughs) you quoted a sitcom. And why do you think that that is sort of maybe like uh, that sitcom has kind of revealed something that is underlying even amongst like most Christians?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so in in the sitcom... There is this character who I don't know, he has this like this experience where he's able to meet mm-hmm. meet Jesus and he comes back and he tells his friends that it, you know, it turns out that uh Jesus' last name is Hong, not Christ, and that uh they wasn't sure where the whole Christ thing even came from. And I think that uh if you ask a lot of people in the church what uh Christ means or where Christ came from, uh they would just say, Oh, you know, that's like that's his name, you know, it's it's Jesus Christ, just like you might say, you know, it's uh Gabriel Hasso or Andrew Rutten and that we don't have a big uh, or deep understanding of what Christ means in the new Testament or even what that uh, expectation for the Christ was coming from the old Testament. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So like what uh, I guess does Christ mean? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, simply it's just a, like Christ in the new Testament is just a, it's a Greek word. That fills in for the Hebrew word, which means uh, Messiah from the Old Testament, and um, like uh, from a lexical point of view, it just a, it just means anointed one, and so kind of with no with no context, it just means it just means anointed one, and so that could really apply to a lot of people, but in the New Testament, it becomes to be a a specialized term referring to uh, the Christ, which happens to be Jesus, and it doesn't apply to anyone else.
2: Mm. That's good. So, and you you mentioned that they used the the term Messiah in the Old Testament for anointed one. What were some of the, like, were there any many um, common usages of that that the New Testament picks up on to give that title to Christ? Or why is the connection important between the Old Testament and the New Testament?
1: Yes, I mean... I think the, the biggest connection is that you have this the even Jesus' disciples are are Jewish and so their their canon or their rule of faith is is the Old Testament. And so in the Old Testament you have uh this expectation of a future ruler, um, and it's primarily thought in terms of, of kingship, that there will be a, a king who will come for the Jewish people uh to restore their fortunes. And so There, throughout the Old Testament, there's this, this promise of reversal, um, this expectation that there's going to be somebody who leads them into, um, restored life, if you will. Uh, and so a lot of times in the Psalms, that's, uh, it's the, the promise of the, of God's anointed one. And that person is a, is a king who rules with justice, who rules with peace, uh, and is able to destroy his enemies completely. And so you have, that that concept of of the messiah or the anointed one that carries over into the new testament. so there is this expectation amongst jesus's earliest followers that you know he could be he could be the messiah. and there were you know there were other people throughout jewish history that people thought maybe he could be the messiah and even people who didn't think jesus was after that there, there's still this expectation for messiah. and i think a lot mm. of times the misconception comes from uh, just this expectation of a of a powerful ruler and uh jesus isn't quite what people were expecting.
0: Mm. Awesome.
2: Mm.
0: And what was sort of like I guess like the main so people are expecting someone very powerful and how is like Jesus different than that?
1: Yeah, so I think Jesus is different in how we see him how we see his life end and so i think even mm. just in this easter season it's really a kind of a fitting way to reflect on it as you have palm sunday where we look at jesus's entrance into jerusalem which is a it's a celebratory event um you know uh, the leaves are being laid down so that not even his donkey will will step foot on the ground and then you know just the, the next week he is uh he's crucified and so i think mm. there's this kind of it's kind of a there's really a shocking factor that the That the core of the Christian message or, you know, the gospel simply put, uh, as Paul does, uh, that we preach Christ crucified. It's it's kind of a a shocking thing. I think we get used to it and, you know, we're used to people wearing, uh, you know, cross necklaces or whatever. But it is kind of this irony where an instrument of death is actually the thing that brings victory. Mm. That's good.
0: Yeah. Thank you. So um so that's sort of like the setup for where like Christ came from. Um and he I love this one line you wrote. It says victory does not come in the expected way, but rather it comes through the apparent defeat. Um and then you go on to quote Isaiah fifty three, which is I mean that's that's been a book that has been really powerful in my life, almost to like an annoying sense, probably for our congregants about how much (laughs) I've been like quoting Isaiah this year. But um, still, it's the word of God. And so I just wanted to read it real quick. It says, um, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Um, And that's like a powerful thing to know that God brought victory through death. And like you said, yeah, like an instrument of death would bring life. But I feel like there's a little bit more here because for the reformers, like, I don't think that was like in question that Christ's death brought life, but they were, uh, I guess, set on this phrase, like Christ alone. Um, So why like that phrase, I guess, like what's like the importance of like it being Christ alone and not Christ in anything else?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think you know, I think understanding when we understand what Christ means correctly, that's really the only logical that we can come to is to say Christ alone. Um because when we talk about this, the the expectation and hope that's building up from the Old Testament, it's that there's going to be someone who brings about the reversal of the fortunes for the people of God. And all that expectation and hope is centered in that figure, and as we get to the New Testament, we see that, that that figure is is Jesus. And so there's no there's no expectation or hoping in any other figure who is going to who who's going to bring that reversal, who's going to bring that hope. And so to you know to say that Jesus is the Christ is really is to say, and our hope is in you know is in Christ alone. And I think for the reformers you know all you know all the the solas is is that the issue is that i think there's other things that are trying to be added in addition to um you know whether it was scripture or to grace or to faith or to to christ in this case and you know particularly against the backdrop of the the roman catholic church at the time which um had had a lot of uh, rituals and a lot of other things uh, i think particularly indulgences where where money could, you know, could get you less time in purgatory, and is going to get you a better, uh, a better shot at heaven. And so, I think the for the reformers is to say that the the only, the only remedy, the only antidote, the only way that we can, you know, expunge the sin from our record is through Christ and His sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that there's no, you know, it's not a, it's not that Christ started something and that we kind of contribute into it. And if we, you know, if we pay in enough. Uh, then, you know, we'll be, you know, counted right in God's eyes. But the idea that the uh, that what Christ did actually accomplished something and that it's actually
2: sufficient to save us. Mm-hmm. So when you say, so the idea of Christ alone being um, that our hope and our faith and our trust is, is in Christ alone, That that's where everything is. Um, you mentioned kind of the indulgences, but... What would you? Were there any other uh, maybe big ones at the time of the Reformation that the the Roman Catholic Church was um, either teaching or people were kind of putting their hope in? And then the second question is, just kind of how do you see that today? So either in your life or just in ministry, where do you see us kind of straying from the idea of Christ alone?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So I think at the time uh, in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, you know, I think the language that they kind of settled on was that, that, you know, yes, God initiates with us that he, you know, he's gracious towards us and that, um, you know, that through faith we have access to, to the riches of God's life. Um, but they, I think the, the language that they started to use is that we, that we co- cooperate with what God has given us. And so it's kind of, um, he gives us a, a good starting and that through our, through our deeds, uh, through the things that we do, we are able to, um, have assurance of our, of our salvation. And so I think, I think in that, you know, there, there's a distinction between, you know, is our, is our life hidden with Christ or is, you know, is our life hidden in our, in our good deeds. And so I think that the, the reformers saw that, that that they were not owners of their own salvation, but that it was Christ who, who held the keys um to life. And so I think as we look to the present day, you know i think there's a lot of a lot of different ways and so i think the the temptation to add our own works to the sacrifice of christ is is always a temptation and that that will constantly be be plaguing the church even even in churches that are really high on grace it's easy to be to be drawn back into to seeing our our works as something that we can hold up before god as as our tickets um to heaven or a ticket to, to eternal life. And so I think we always have to be on guard for that. And then I think just in, um, just in the current culture where there's, uh, just a pretty plural pluralistic in that, um, a lot of people have a lot of different beliefs on what is true and what is good. And, you know, I think a lot of people are, are okay with Jesus. Um, they are not, uh, you know, against him or his teachings and even like, um, even in Islam, they have a very, a very high view of Jesus. And even in, in the Quran, they would call him the Messiah, but it doesn't seem that they have um, quite the grasp of what Messiah means. And so I think to, for us to say Christ alone is to say, you know, it's to really say that there is, there's no hope outside of Christ. And so it's not just, you know, Christ alone, you know, just for me, but it's, it's Christ alone for, for humanity and so it's not kind of, uh, you know, you can choose like wherever you fit in or whatever's good for you is, you know, there's a good path to take. But that really, you know, the only hope is that is that Christ has died and that he has has resurrected and that because of that, there is access to to God's life. Um, but we don't find that through, uh, you know, meditation or working hard or, or really for, through anything else except through faith in Christ.
0: Hmm. yeah that's true today I was reading in romans five um Romans five one right like therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, like yeah, dude, I love that, yeah, so, how do we like avoid self justification, you know yeah and also like produce and create like good things in the world. You know what I mean? Mhm. Like like I feel like God still has like good things for us to do. But how do we avoid like making those things our justification? No, that's a that's a good question.
1: And Yeah, I think it's something that's hard to to do, but I think we have to just constantly remind ourselves that the things that we do um, do not do not put us in jeopardy before God. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when we, you know, when we think about, you know, what is it that I'm holding on to as, you know, my justification before God, you know, if we hold on to anything else, uh, we just don't have a very good, we don't have a very good plea before God. Mm -hmm. But that, uh, you know, that in Christ that we have a, a confident assurance of, like you said, like in Romans five, that we have peace with God, you know, through Christ. And so I think to, I think, you know, the helpful distinction is between justification and sanctification and that, you know, though we are, we are justified and we are right in God's eyes, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that there aren't things that we need to do, you know, like a lot of, the, even the New Testament are are commands from Jesus that where he's telling his disciples to go do something, and Paul is is writing in his letters to go do something. And oftentimes, Paul starts with you know some indicative truth, and then he follows that with an imperative of something that uh, his listeners are supposed to to do in light of that. And so, I think um, you know, I think Ephesians chapter two actually you know has a really good kind of summation of that, and it's. You know where I think we we quote Ephesians two eight and nine that you know, you know by grace alone, not of our own doing, but as um, but as a gift. And you know in the following verse that we are His workmanship created for good works. And so mm-hmm. that like uh, you know I think that kind of separates it nicely. Is that you know the the life that we share with God is is a gift only. Um, you know through Christ's work, and in light of that, you know we have been made to do. Good deeds, and so you know, I think that's kind of a good a good way to kind of split it off. So we're not thinking that the things that we do justify us before God, but also so we're not letting ourselves off the hook and saying that there's nothing that we should be doing.
0: Mm. Mm. That's good. Oh, cool. dude, so, you're kind of a. Uh, I guess, like, close this up. So if like we're sitting here or if you're sitting out there and you're hearing all this and you're realizing maybe like, like I've had this realization before that I haven't actually put all of my Easter eggs in the basket of Christ. Um, like what like what do we do? Like how do we turn from that? Like what does repentance look like? <laughs> you know, and so all that to say, Kent, maybe you can shed some light on that. And then would you pray for us? Just that we would be able to, um, yeah, to put all of our hope and all of our faith and all that we are um, in, like, Christ's work, that we would hide ourselves in Christ, as it says in Galatians.
1: Yeah, I think the you know, the thing we should feel is that we should feel relieved, you know, that we there's nothing that we can do to put ourselves in in jeopardy that that Christ's work is sufficient and it will never cease to be sufficient and so that we have the freedom to repent from other things that we we try to justify ourselves with and i mean the beauty of it is that when you when you recognize that and repent you know the realization is that Christ's sacrifice is, is enough and so that that we can come to god in prayer and and simply say you know God I you know, recognize that you know I've been turning to the things that I've been doing or turning to comparing myself with other people to to feel like i am am right in your eyes, but to instead say you know god, I recognize that it you know that's Christ alone and what a you know what a gift that is that we wouldn't have to look anywhere else except for christ to to feel assurance and to know that we are. We are full that we have all the life that we need um, because of what He has given us, and I just think that's such an assuring, comforting thing to know as we reflect on on you know what the reformers called solus Christus, and that we would remember that it, you know that that Christ alone that we have we have a a strong and perfect plea in front of God, and that it is uh, it's Christ uh, crucified. Mm. Uh, so yeah, let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, just are grateful for your word, uh, just grateful for the lessons that we can learn from history. Uh, pray that we would be learners, that we would, we would learn from past mistakes that the church has made, that we would learn from our own past mistakes, uh, and that we would be humbled before you, uh, humbled by your grace, and humbled by the gift of life that you've given us uh, in Christ. We just pray that you would lead us in that way that you would lead us in a life that is confident in our salvation because of what Christ has done. Uh, and that out of that confidence, Lord, that we would be able to, to do good deeds, uh, that testify to your glory, uh, in Jesus Christ's most holy name.
0: Amen.